Well, once again, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Crossroads, whether you're here at our Newburgh campus with us online or at our West campus. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Like your host said, my name is Ross. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm thrilled to be here with you today as we are continuing our series uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to go. Matthew chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I want to thank everyone who participated last weekend in the vote for our short year budget for a budget that's really going to last from now until the, uh, the end of this year, 2019. I'm happy to report that our budget was approved with a 99.9% margin. So thank you so much. We have a budget, everybody. We can clap for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for voting. And uh, Matthew chapter five, hopefully we're gonna be starting in verse um, 31. Hopefully you're following along with us today. Before we read, do you like who you're sitting next to today here at Newburgh and at our West Campus? Do you like, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you look great this morning. You look great. Now turn to your neighbor who you did not uh, talk to for some reason and tell them that they look great too. They look great too. <laughs> We're gonna be continuing on in uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 31. And uh, we're just gonna read the words of Jesus here today. It says this, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have, heard it's, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to, uh, to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for if you cannot, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. If you're taking notes with me this morning, and I hope that you are, the title of this message is Freely Limited. Freely Limited. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we dive into the word? today. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. God, that we get to come here, we get to watch online, we get to gather together as a family to learn more about you and grow in our relationship with you. God, I pray that you would help me to communicate your word clearly and effectively today. And may we all be able to walk out of here today and end our time together better than we started. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Real quick, I like to do this every once in a while just to see who we're working with here. So whether you're at the West Campus or here at Newburgh, um, raise your hand. Let me see. Um, where are the married people in the house? Married people, where are you at? Okay. Lots of married people here at Newburgh. All right. What about uh, any, any single people in the room? Any single people? You can feel free to take this opportunity to look around and see who else has their hand raised. <laughs> Check out what we're working with here this morning. Um, I gotta tell you, my wife, Nikki and I, we've been married for six years and married life is the best life. I, 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 this is the reason why I think married life is so good. Uh, I feel like I'm free to be myself the most around my wife. 
Like there are parts of Ross, okay, that she sees that no one else sees. There are, there are parts of me that are a little bit more wild than even what you see here on the stage. I am very emotionally unstable. So if you got that from what I do right here, just imagine what, what she sees, okay? I'm free to be myself around, around my wife. And I, I love being married. But it doesn't mean that there haven't been some bumps along the way, you know? We even had um, a little bit of, of a problem this week, in fact. We had a little bit of an issue. Um, you see, I was, trying something, I was trying something new, friends, okay? I just wanted to change things up a little bit. Maybe you, you realize that the last time I was up here, I had a pretty, pretty full beard going on. Now, today we have Babyface Ross up here on the stage. This is actually um, stage two of what has happened, though. I, I did have a stage one that I was trying to, trying to work with. We actually have a photo. Let me just show you. I was... Uh, I'm offended at how hard you guys are laughing. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was trying to rock them out. You can see how happy I was about it and how <laughs> displeased my wife was about it. We, we started having a little bit of an argument even here at the office. Some of the staff was like, are they okay? Um, we were having a little bit of a disagreement. You know, I wanted to keep the mustache. She wanted me to get rid of it. I thought it looked good. She thought it looked absolutely terrible. So we came to a compromise. And it's gone. <laughs> Truth is though, like I, I even like sometimes arguing with my wife. We have a good time, man. Like I think we've gotten really good at arguing. I, I really do. Like we've got it down to a science. I think it's because when we first got married, again, we've been married for, for six years, but when we first got married, we were living in very limited quarters. Okay, we, we, we had a one bedroom apartment in Tampa, Florida. And now when we get in arguments, like we have other places we can go, right? Like I can go to another room, she can close the door. Uh, but when we lived in this one bedroom apartment, we'd be getting in an argument and I'd be like, I'm tired of this. I'm going to the kitchen. I take like three steps. I'm like, you're still here, you know? We couldn't get away from each other, but it allowed us to actually work through our problems. The truth is we didn't even know it at the time, but our limited space, our limitations were actually helping us. You know, there was a study done about limits and what limitations do when they're placed on our life. And it was done actually with, with these children. They, they took these kids in a childcare and at recess, they put them out on a playground with no fence surrounding the playground. There they had the monkey bars, they had the slides, they had all the stuff that kids could play on. But what they discovered is that with no fence around the playground, all the kids were sticking close to their teacher. They didn't utilize all the space that they that they had. The next day they took the same group of kids out to the same playground, but this time there was a fence around the playground. And would you believe that those children used every square inch of that playground? They used all the monkey bars, all the slides, all the equipment. And what they discovered was that there were actually more freedom in having limits. That in fact, limits bring life. We see this take place in the Bible, actually, from the beginning of time. In Genesis chapter two, God creates Adam and Eve, and he tells them that all that I have created is yours. You have freedom 
but he starts to place limitations right off the bat. Check out what the Bible says in Genesis chapter two, starting in verse 16. It says, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not, there's the limit, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. From the very beginning, it's almost as if God is trying to get us to realize the idea of freedom isn't the ability to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want. But in fact, true freedom comes when we align our lives with the way that God designed them to be. That freedom isn't found in healthy limits, but rather, or it isn't found in infinite options, but instead healthy limits. And today, what we see in Matthew chapter five is that Jesus is placing some limits on us. There's two teachings of Jesus. And I know we already read it, but I wanna kind of go through it kind of sort of verse by verse here for us today. And it's again in verse 31, this is what Jesus says. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her a victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Point number one of the message this morning is this, there is freedom in covenant. There's freedom in covenant. When I was first told that I was preaching on this passage a couple months back, I was like, yay. Because who wants to preach on this word divorce? Come on, if we're being honest, like all of us probably in some way, shape or form have been touched by this word, divorce. I know that I have. And at first glance, this scripture, this teaching of Jesus here can seem very limiting and quite his words quite cold. But the truth is what's happening is Jesus is entering a conversation that's already been happening in his day and time. There was actually a debate, an argument going on between the law that Moses laid out in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse one. And see what was happening in Jesus's day is that a lot of people were getting it wrong. Before we dive a little bit too much into it, I wanna be very clear about what Jesus is saying, but also what he is not saying. Jesus is not saying anyone who gets remarried commits adultery. Jesus is not saying anyone who commits adultery must get divorced. Jesus is not saying the only way divorce is an option is if someone commits adultery. It's important to know that Jesus does not intend to lay out a list of when divorce is and is not acceptable. He's simply addressing an issue, a law that was being misused in his day. See, what's happening is divorce was at an all time high back in Jesus's time because people were taking the law and misusing it. Here's what a lot of people believed. A lot of people believed that a man could divorce his wife at any time for whatever reason, as long as he gave her a certificate of divorce. So yes, if she committed adultery, he could divorce her. But also if she burnt his toast, he could just give her a piece of paper and divorce her. It gave all the power to men and no authority, option, nothing to women. Jesus in Matthew chapter five was actually coming to the defense of women because they were being treated like property. 
Jesus is saying that what you're doing here is trying to take advantage of a law by using loopholes so that you can move from spouse to spouse to spouse as you please. And Jesus is saying, if you're looking for excuses for the reason why you want to get out of a covenant that you made, then you're missing the point of the covenant in general. You can't just bend the rules in order to find freedom. That in fact, freedom does not come from convenience. Freedom comes from covenant. Jesus was asking us to have a deeper view of what marriage is really all about. And we're supposed to have a covenantial view of marriage, not a consumer view of marriage. It's not, am I satisfied? Am I pleased? No, no, no. It is, I'm deciding that I've decided. The definition of the word covenant is an agreement enacted between two parties in which one or both make promises under oath to perform or refrain from certain actions stipulated. And I like this last part in advance. Think about what marriage vows are. They are not a public declaration of a present love. They are a public promise to a future love, to have a future love. And in the beginning of any relationship, there's a little bit of uncertainty, isn't there? When a relationship first gets started out, come on, I, I remember when Nikki and I first started dating. Okay, I remember actually before we started dating, the first time I ever saw her, I said, yes, Lord, I'll take that one. Thank you. But Nikki was not as in tune to the voice of the Lord back then. Through many years of pastoring her, discipling her, she is more in tune with the Holy Spirit now. Um, but there was a time, there was a time really where Nikki wasn't really sure if she wanted to be with me at all. <laughs> she doubted it a lot. And it caused me to doubt, to be honest. I can remember those first three years before we ever got married. I remember always feeling this pressure to like put my best foot forward all the time, to perform, to kind of put on a show, you know, always gotta look my absolute best, always gotta be on my best behavior, not let her see too many skeletons in my closet, not let her see many of my flaws because she could dip out at any time if she did. There was a lot of pressure with that. But can I tell you, after we got married, our relationship, in fact, our friendship became so much better. Why? Because I was free to be me. I, I was free to be myself. And it doesn't mean that I don't do nice things. It doesn't mean that I don't get dressed up nice anymore when we go out on dates or anything like that. But what it does mean is that I have this, this, this kind of comfort, this, this freedom, if you will, in knowing that somebody accepts me the way that I am. In fact, this is what our relationship with God is like, isn't it? There's freedom in knowing that he accepts us just the way that we are, that he wants to be with us. Have you ever noticed the similarities between a marriage covenant and what happens when we make a covenant with the Lord and we get baptized? Marriage vows are a public declaration. And so is baptism. It's us going public for God. But what's so great about God is this, is that long before we could ever go public for him, he went public for us when he publicly 
hung on a cross for you and I. I want to remind us this morning that we should have freedom, that we should have security in knowing that we have a God who absolutely wants a covenantal relationship with us. Long before we chose him, he chose us. Long before we wanted him, he wanted us. Long before we accepted him, he accepted us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He wants a covenantal relationship with you. And there is freedom in that, friends. There is freedom in knowing that he wants us. I just got to ask, though, that we take a little bit of a breath for a moment because I did say a word that is a little bit of a tension point for a lot of us, that word divorce. And I don't want to just kind of skirt by it and keep moving on without addressing it because I really feel like it's affected a lot of us here in this room. I know that it's affected me. I think that there's some of us here in this room that you wanted to stay in a covenantal relationship, but you didn't get that option. You wanted to stay and fight and somebody else didn't. Maybe there's some people in here or watching online with us or at our West campus that, listen, you, you made some mistakes. You did some things that led to your marriage being on the rocks or you, you did some things that even led to a divorce. And I just wanna tell you this, this is a complex issue. It's difficult and I don't think that a three point sermon is gonna solve all your problems. But one thing we are committed to here at Crossroads is to walk with you through your struggle, to walk with you through your problems. And so I wanna just point us to a few resources today that I think can help some people. Out in the atrium at our West Campus and here at Newburgh, there will be representatives from our counseling center. You may or may not know this, that we have licensed, trained, professional Christian counselors here at a counseling center at Crossroads, which is incredible. We're super blessed to have that. We also have support groups that meet on Monday nights. There's actually a divorce care support group. If you want to find out a little bit more information about that, you can see any of our care team members. It's people with the red lanyards after service is over today. But we also have, uh, you can find out more information about the counseling center at cccgo.com slash counseling or our support groups that meet on Monday nights at cccgo.com slash support. What I would also encourage you to do is be reminded of story after story in the Bible of people like Phil talked about last week, the woman who's caught in the act of adultery. Or what about when Jesus encounters the woman at the well who's had five husbands and the, one, the man that she's with now is not even one of those five. And in both situations, Jesus comes on the scene. He comes into their life and what you don't see is finger pointing, what you don't see is condemnation, what you see is his love, his grace, his mercy. And then Jesus says, go and sin no more. What's he saying? There's freedom in now having that forgiveness. There's freedom in now living in the limitations in the life that I designed for you to live. There's freedom in our covenantal relationship. Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter five, now starting 
in verse 33. And he says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Point two of the message this morning is this, there's freedom in contentment. Number one, there's freedom in covenant, but number two, there's, there's freedom in contentment. Jesus is speaking here now in Matthew chapter five because he again is addressing another issue. People are thinking that they can continue to bend the rules in order to find freedom because they know what the law says. The law says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Okay, so I can't swear by God's name, but it doesn't say that I can't swear by the city or I can't swear by heaven or I can't swear by my own head. And people were using this as another loophole. And what they were actually doing is believing that if I swear by anything other than God's name, then actually I don't have to keep my word that it actually doesn't have to be true. Jesus is addressing this in Matthew chapter five because what he wants to say is this is silly. All you're doing is manipulating to get your way. You're manipulating to even make yourself look good. This is called reputation management. And it's easy for us to look at what they were doing and go, yeah, that's silly. But the truth is we still do that today, don't we? We're very much involved in reputation management in 2019. What we do is we exaggerate, we name drop, we embellish, don't we? From time to time, I have conversations with people who are not a part of our church. And when they find out what I do, I get asked this question a lot. How big is your church? And I have an option there. I can tell them an Easter number, or I can tell them a July number when everyone's on vacation. What they're actually asking is how important are you? What I want to tell them is I'm really important. So I split the difference and I tell them Christmas numbers. I'm just kidding, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that, but, but, but check this out. Jesus is saying, what would it look like for you to not have to worry about what people think of you? What would it look like for you just to be content in telling the truth instead of managing the way that people think? I think one of the biggest reasons why we have a problem with this word contentment is because of another word, and I've been preaching this to our students a whole lot lately. It's this word comparison. We have a problem telling the truth because of comparison. If consumerism is the enemy of covenant, then comparison is the enemy of contentment. Here's what comparison does. I never knew how unhappy I was till I found out how happy you were. Come on, can we just be real for a moment this morning? Many of you were really happy with your Ford Focus until your neighbor pulls up with a brand new Cadillac and you're thinking, hold up, Lord. Here I am serving you and you're gonna do me like this. Many of you were happy with your cooking until you saw your friend's Instagram post of how fancy her dish looked. Many of you were happy with the way your house looked until you watched that episode of Fixer Upper. 
And we instantly think I'm not good enough, I'm a failure, but the truth is that's not, that's not true at all. But what you are doing is you're allowing comparison to rob you of your contentment. You're allowing comparison to rob you of your contentment. Our problem is that we wanna do something better than the next person. We wanna be the best. We wanna do something big. My wife Nikki and I, we went to this conference this past summer and one of the speakers there told us this idea about big and it's really just changed my mindset. He said, big is not what you see, big is what you say. Big is really just a state of mind. So Nikki and I have just decided like, yo, big is wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, whether I get credit for it, whether anybody else sees it or not, big is wherever I'm at. I would challenge you the next time you're doing something that seems so small that you would just remind yourself, this is big. The next time you get your kids to school on time, nobody's there to cheer you on, just you and your car, but like, this is big. The next time you get your whole family to church and nobody murdered anyone on the minivan ride over, this is big. The next time you sit down for a family meal, say this is big. The next time you feel like quitting your job, but you don't, this is big. The next time you feel like giving up on your faith, but you keep believing and you keep hoping and you keep hoping that God has a plan and a future for your life, just say, no one else is seeing it, but I'm gonna be content with it. This is what God has called me to. This is big. I'm not gonna compare myself to anybody else. There's freedom in contentment. Jesus wants us to know that. There's freedom in having nothing to prove. There's freedom in having nothing to defend. There's freedom in contentment. Jesus continues on in Matthew chapter five, and I just got one more verse to read to you. In verse 37, he says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Another translation of the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Number one, there's freedom in covenant. Number two, there's freedom in contentment. And number three, there's freedom in commitment. I like this one. There's freedom in commitment. True freedom is not found in keeping your options open, friends. Freedom is found in keeping your word. I find it no coincidence that these words kind of all blend together in some ways, covenant, contentment, commitment, because they, they sort of all go hand in hand. Especially as you continue to read in the Bible and you read in Ephesians chapter five, how Paul is talking about what our relationship with God is like and how it's a lot like a healthy marriage. He's saying a healthy marriage is a lot like our relationship with God. And the relationship that God wants to have with us looks a lot like a healthy marriage. The big problem though we have in both cases, the big problem that Jesus was facing and a big problem that's still facing us in 2019 is we have a problem with this word commitment, don't we? Because it's, well, what if I'm, what if I'm missing out? What if they have it better? What if my life would be better with him? What if my life would be better with her? I just feel like, man, I'd be so much happier if I had that job, if I was in their shoes. And our lack of commitment is leading to an abundance of crisis. We keep wondering why things in our life aren't growing. It's 
It's because things in your life aren't planted. For things to grow, they must first be planted. I believe Jesus is saying, stay planted. Stay committed to what I've called you to. Watch how I work. Watch how I play the long game. Watch how I'm gonna turn this thing around. Watch how I work all things together for the good. Stay committed. I'm committed to you. I just need you to be committed to what I've called you to. There's freedom in being faithful, friends. About two years into uh, dating Nikki, I, I knew, I knew, I knew that I knew she was the one. And so, you know, about this time, her parents are like begging me to marry her. You know, they love me so much. <laughs> and so I went out and, and I got the ring, you know, and the day came. I'll never, ever forget that day. And we had a bunch of friends at the church together, you know, and Nikki walked in and all the lights in the church were off except for just these candles that were leading to a spotlight with this table and the, and the ring was sitting on top of the table. You know, we walk in, I grab the ring and I kneel down and the room gets really quiet. I said some really romantic stuff, you know, too romantic to repeat in front of all you fine people today. And obviously Nikki said yes. And I remember that moment just so vividly because we like grabbed each other's hands. We we're like a couple that just won the prices, right? We're like, we're getting married. Like you don't even know what to do in that moment. You're like, what now? We're like, well, I don't know. But we stayed for like two hours at the church. We just partied with our friends. We had a good time. We took a bunch of pictures and we ate some food and had a, had a blast. But have you ever seen a video where somebody gets proposed to and they say, no, it's cringeworthy. Like you'll never see a room empty so quickly. Why? Because a yes brings a beginning to something, but a no brings an end to something. I think it's important for us if we are called the bride of Christ, as Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter five, it's important for us to say yes to what he's proposing. What is he proposing? He's proposing an abundant life, a flourishing life, a life to the full, a life full of freedom. But so many times, this is what I see people do. I see people who don't necessarily, they don't even hate Jesus, but they keep saying no to Jesus and the Christian life because they have a skewed view of what the Christian life is all about. They go covenant. What's that word even mean? That sounds kind of old school. I don't know. It seems very limiting. Contentment. I don't want to be content. I just want to be, I want to do something big. You know what I'm saying? Oh, commitment. That's really hard for me. It sounds kind of like you're building a fence around me. Sure, it may be a fence, but that fence is there for your safety. That fence is there for your protection. And there is more freedom in that fence than freedom found in the world. I would argue that if you say yes to Jesus, you'd have more freedom than you've ever felt before in your life. I know maybe you don't judge people, but I do sometimes. Have you, ever, have you ever seen those couples, you see these people together and they're just, they're not, they're like unequally matched. 
You know what I'm I'm saying? Like you, you see this couple and you're like, I don't get it. How did he get her? How did she get him? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think about that when I think about my relationship with God all the time. I would hope and pray people look at me and they go, how did Ross get this? You mean to say he's arm in arm with God right now? They're so unequally matched. Friends, the same is true for you. God wants a covenant with you. He wants to walk in the room with you on his arm. He is content with you. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He is. He is committed to you, friends. You may say, Ross, that sounds real nice, but I don't know about that. It's never really been proven. How do you know all of that is true? Jesus. Jesus is God's covenant. Jesus is him saying, I'm content with you. Jesus is his vow. It's his promise. It is is his, cross my heart and hope to die. Jesus is his promise to you and I. He is his proposal. He is just say yes. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I love that the Bible says that here I stand at the door and knock. He's a gentleman. He's waiting. He's proposing. It's just time maybe for some of us in here today to say yes and find freedom like we've never felt before. I would just tell you this. If if you're here today and this message is sort of tugging on your heart and you're saying, I just don't know if I've ever entered into that covenant relationship with God before. I don't know that I've ever asked him to be my Lord and Savior. I don't know what that looks like to be committed to him. And today you wanna make that decision. I would encourage you with this. Do not leave here today. Do not leave our time together at the West Campus. Do not log off of your computer without messaging someone, talking to someone, letting someone pray with you. We actually have these cards there in the seat back in front of you. One on one side, it says new here, but if you flip it over, it talks about what it looks like to take a first step or a next step. Maybe today you need to fill out that card and hand it to one of our care team members. They're the people with the red lanyards. We would love to talk with you, pray with you and show you what saying yes to Jesus actually looks like. Showing you what this life of freedom actually looks like. Do not leave here today without making that, de- that, that decision to say yes to Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray? Father, I thank you for every single person here in this room. God, I thank you, first of all, that you wanted us, that you said yes to us a long time ago. Would you help us today if we're in here and we've kind of strayed away and it's been a while since we've come back to being faithful to you? Would you help us to stay committed to you, to be content with the life that you've given us? Lord, to be content with the covenant that you've made with us. 
Father, I pray that anybody who's not made that decision today would come to know you and their life would be forever changed, that they would feel freedom like they've never felt before. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this gift of freedom. It's in your name we pray. Amen.